everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Risk Cheese Radio Podcast, a podcast that specializes in horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Schmidt, and you obviously know my co-host, my good friend, Bro Dinky. Bro, what's going on, my friend? Not a whole lot. I had a pretty good week, uh, starting back with the Super Bowl. Uh, hit a couple boxes and things, so walked away with some cash. Uh-oh, okay. Yeah, All right. can't complain about that. Other than that, I've been kind of just going down a, a very weird rabbit hole of, of vintage, I guess, dress sake goes, kind of. The, you know, a lot of uh, Lord Marvel, Grand Chords, yeah, Lord Maddox, stuff like that. Kind of the kinda, predecessor, you, Grand Seiko type yeah, deal. Yeah, you're kind of circling the drain. See, this is what happens when you get... You know, that little King Seiko teaser. Now you're just spiraling. Yeah, I've, just, I've been looking at everything. It's it's a real, it's a sickness, I have to say. <laughs> so so did you decide what you think you're going to get to commemorate your, your promotion? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Uh, okay. I feel like we got some some major drops coming out in the next uh, few months, so. Yeah, it might, it, might be, it, might be, it might behoove you to, to be patient, I guess. Or to make that decision a little tougher. So that's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> have, have we, have we, I mean, I honestly haven't done it i know you know kind of march april time is when everything really starts dropping but have we seen if if there any of the big shows are coming back like is sihh coming back or geneva days or do you know i I haven't i haven't haven't heard anything and i really don't know i mean even before the pandemic became really a newsworthy thing i feel like people said that those shows were kind of going by the wayside specifically basil world which sucks yeah well as corny as it was, I really enjoyed Basil World. I really liked, like, kind of seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff and then having everybody kind of deliver their own pitch on all the new stuff. It was a lot of fun. And also reading well, about it, $14 hot dogs. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it was cool for a lot of people because there was this allure of, like, this is the show, this is where everything happens. And you knew everyone was going to debut their novelties at that time. So it was kind of like... This was the mass concentration. It's like this time in March, April, boom, Basel happens. Everyone's releasing their stuff. It's all at one time. It's going to be all over the blogs, you know, instantaneously. I like, I remember back in the day when I was still heavily in the industry. I mean, I would wake up at 5 a.m., you know, to do the, the time conversion and everything to, to see what was coming out because everyone's going to start posting their stuff at 11, 12, 1 o'clock, right, in, in Switzerland. So it was huge. But the thing with Basel, what was crazy is they just started getting so ridiculously expensive for all the all the retailers to start really going. Um, and especially after they rebuilt the Basel like convention center. Cause I don't yeah. know if you if you saw this, they had a different location before or they you know re heavily renovated it. And I I kind of heard that they, you know, again, I don't know how true this is, but I kind of heard that they were like strong arming people for stuff and basically the people who like funded Basel World were just like hostile taking over like money and like charging people out the nose for to, to to be on site and and they even had like this giant like vacheron clock made outside the building <laughs> like this is like egregious like luxury stuff for no reason right and it's a trick like, let's be honest it's a trade show like that's what it is yeah like vendors come they present their stuff people take orders and then and they go back and they deliver the product so it I think from that aspect, it started to feel like antiquated because it wasn't really like a direct consumer thing. But I don't know. Is I mean, is there is there a new Basel World coming? 
I'm not sure, and I don't know what they're gonna do with watches and wonders or whatever. But I was just like, yeah, Basel see, that's World. the thing. I liked it because it, it was like it was like Mar- it was like the first day of March Madness. So, like when you fill out your bracket and there's 85 games on, and then you don't know which way to look on all the TV screens. Like that's that was always my favorite day of the sports year. Basel World was always my favorite day of the watch year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here here's the thing. Says Basel World organizers have decided to take more time for the launch of a new concept. Basel World, scheduled for spring 2022, will therefore not take place. Sweet. There's your answer. I can't imagine that they're going to limp this along that much longer. I I, I really don't know how much they can hold out. Um, Because, I mean, now you have other stuff. Like, you have SIHH, which is kind of becoming more mainstream. But I know that was mostly for Richemont brands. Yeah. And then you had, you know, Geneva Days, which was kind of this new thing, which was like kind of everybody. And, you know, everyone, it was kind of like a mini version of Basel. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the heck they're going to do. So I guess we'll find out, but I know things are coming down the pipe, I'm sure. So it'll be exciting to see what comes out. Maybe, maybe something will catch your eye. Yeah. Speaking of things coming out, uh, just to hop on the back of something I had mentioned last episode when we were talking about um, the Seiko five generic diver looking thing. Yeah. I had mentioned Warner wine was coming out with that uh seiko 5 edition they just dropped it today it's yeah they it's did. thursday today so it dropped today people are gonna hear this on monday but yeah um kind of an interesting little release but they didn't go with that diver which made me happy because that thing sucks um they went yeah. with the more military-esque seiko it, it, yeah it's kind of the, it's kind of like the the faithful revival of the s is it snk i think it was yeah. or skn yes. i think um from the old days like SNK. that was one of the, snk right like that was one of the first watches i ever owned that was a that was an automatic once I really started getting into it. So back then you could buy them on Amazon for like 80 bucks. I yep. remember the good old days. Um, but I had the black dial one. And I remember watching that review from Warren and Wild like so many, so many years ago. And I got hooked. And so I ordered one just based on that. So uh, to your point, I am glad they didn't do you know the as you called it last time, the Fugazi diver, <laughs> which I think might be a name that sticks. Who knows? Uh, people, I've seen it been used this week, so I think it's uh, I think it's catching on. But the Fugazi nice. Seiko Diver, um, but I actually really like this new field watch design. Like even the standard model, not the one and round version, but like the standard version, I actually really like. And I think the size is good because I think it's thirty eight, thirty nine now. Because um, the other one was like really small, like thirty six or thirty five. It's pretty small. Um, but this new version just looks good, and I like the handset. It's kind of like these, like you know flared out sword kind of looking hands so i don't know man at 275 bucks it's uh not a bad value prop yeah and i don't know if you've seen the i think there's a pvd version with orange accents that one looks sick yeah it does i want to see i'm not gonna lie like it looks sick pvd can be a little iffy i want to see that one in person but i like that and i also like here's a pro tip for everybody out there seiko heads like myself they release these watches with an american reference number you can find the analogous japanese reference number and then just go to one of the sakura nomon whatever and get one with a kanji daewio which looks a1 that's what i do yeah on all my because that, that's that's what uh that's what one and wound did right like their date wheels in japanese yeah yes which is which is kind of cool like i i wouldn't know what date it is but it's kind of cool to this guy I'm, does I, i'm sure i'm sure you do <laughs> i'm sure you do you say go ahead but yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think that that's pretty cool. Just from like, if I was going to add a piece to a collection that I wanted to be 
distinctly Japanese like that, that would be a cool a cool watch to have with the kanji date wheel. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. So in other news, uh, another watch that came out earlier this week that I absolutely love, and now it's giving me heart palpitations, is that new Longines, the, Le- the Legend Diver extension they added, all the new colorways. Man, there's that Bordeaux. There's like this new like sand khaki color and that gray kind of gradient dial. It's like a gray blue. Oh, God. I'm like, looks God. good. Like, God dang it. Like, seriously? The minute I saw that, I had to send that to you. I was like, I know you did. And it was funny because you sent it to me and another collector friend of mine sent it to me within like 30 seconds. So like when you sent it, I got a bing and then I got another bing like immediately after. And it was the same post. I'm like, guys, you know me too well. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when I have multiple friends sending me a new legend diver, like I'm already in trouble. But no, I... I, I, I really do like them. Um, I hope they'll be successful for Longines. I, I imagine that they will um, because it, the colors just look good. And it gives, a, it gives some more character to that retro diver, which you guys already know I love so much. So Definitely, definitely. All right, I guess into this week's topic. Yeah. This week, I guess I wanted to do a little bit of a reflective episode sort of from the point of view of us as and i will use this term loosely content creators <laughs> yeah uh, i always like to reflect when i listen to the episodes back i i do the editing so i'm listening to it then i usually give it one more mm-hmm. at least that week uh it gives me time to kind of stew on what we're putting out and you know i feel like you're always your own worst critic and yeah a lot of times, even when you get done with an episode, maybe you feel like, oh, that was kind of hot garbage. And then you listen to it back. And you're like, ah, it's actually decent. Or people will say, wow, I really enjoyed that. You're like, ah, I didn't think it was our best work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we go through the cycles, guys. Believe me, as, as bro hinted last time, it's not easy to like do Like weekly. So that's like a weekly cycle. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes we're like, hey, okay, so I was garbage this week. So uh, maybe next week I'll be less garbage. And people are like, no, it's this is a great episode. I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad somebody enjoyed it. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's one of those things like everybody hates the sound of their own voice. Yes, right? like I don't especially, like listening myself back. <laughs> especially me last week. Oh, that was I sounded, good. It, oh man, it was so bad. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't scorch me in the comments because I was just like, I could like I listened to that episode a few times this past week, and I was like, man, I could I could just hear it like the change. So today today I have a voice, so that's good. But you know, you like to be taken seriously and put out what you consider worthwhile content. And I, I feel like, I feel yeah. like that's what we do. And I, I don't know, I don't have a, a reference for this, but I, I, when I, sometimes I see content that is put out by creators and I feel like it's just kind of content for the sake of content. It's sort of where yeah. I get lost, right? It's sort of, it's almost like busy work. Like when you were in school, you, you used to get busy work and you wasn't, it wasn't getting graded, didn't count, but you had to do it. And you're like, well, why? And there was like no rationale for it. That's kind of what I akin that to. And it's more that like, I wish people would take a less cookie cutter approach because what happens is we find a method or a medium that works and then everybody goes to that. They go to that exact format. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I think kind of being outside of the box in some way, shape or form has a lot of merit. I mean, or at least the attempt to try yeah, be outside the box, you know, like because again, I mean, we have a podcast like a lot of other people that have podcasts. So our medium isn't different. But what we're trying to convey messaging wise is trying to be different and consistently trying to be different. So, again, to that point, it's just like, you know, I don't we don't want to put content out there for the sake of just putting out right. content. 
you know, I'm not going to send you guys a hot, a hot pile of steamy garbage every week for you guys to listen to, because obviously you're not going to want to listen to it. So it should at least be good. And if it's not, please, God, DM us and let us know, because or logical like, take, like we can handle it like old yellow. Just take take me out back. And take me pl- out back. Plug me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ma, but- he's my dog. I'll do it. <laughs> Now, part of the reason we made that uh, this show was because there was a bit of a disconnect, at least in my opinion, between your average Joe type watch collector and more of the content that's prevalent today in the digital landscape, at least. Yeah. Right. And I, I think we've started to carve out a little bit of a niche that's off the beaten path, but there's such a wealth of content out there now. And it's so different from what it used to be like, right? Like when I mm-hmm. first started collecting watches, you had, it was a lot of information. You had like just talking watches was like the main video that everybody looked forward to. Yeah. There wasn't this wealth that there is now. Yeah. Right. And I, I know I, I was big into talking watches. That was like something that really. I was too. In many ways, I still am. It's just, yeah. again, it, you know, for us, like, you know, talking watches 10 years ago is very different than talking watches today, right? Right. And it, it captured that social aspect of collecting, which I think is something that you kind of miss, especially when you're first into it. You have no friends that are into it. You've never approached a meetup or a red bar or whatever. And so you've yeah. never had those social interactions. So something like a talk and watch is where you're reaching out to people and relating was like so huge when I was looking that up. It was like really like inspiring. You know, it was something that I, I wanted to achieve with other collectors. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you could see kind of how that has stemmed into a lot of content that is produced today. Yeah. 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 Right. Now I feel like we have such a diversity, I guess, of content. You have anything from just blatant entertainment, like something that's going to, you can sit there and just listen to it and it doesn't have to be factual. It doesn't have to be informative. It could just be somebody giving you an opinion. And then all the way to the other side, it could be something humorous. Like we, it's become so vast. Yeah. Where before it was kind of strictly this little machine that goes on your wrist. Well, and, and, and yeah. And I think a lot of that is just attributed to, you know, the community has, has, has attracted different people. Yeah, that is so true. these different these different people are looking for different kind of engagement, different kind of content. Um, I'm with you. I mean, like the the spectrum has changed so much um, from what we what we had before. You know, again, a lot of the stuff when we first started was more informative. It was more stuff that was, you know, based on facts and 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 collecting information stuff to to give collectors the opportunity to learn more about what they were looking at or what they were going to be interested in, especially when they couldn't be hands-on with something. Right. And now there's a lot more kind of like shock and awe or, you know, kind of these like crazy things that get thrown out there that for some people is very entertaining, but I don't know if it's necessarily engaging watch content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the hard hitting facts and (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that, because, again, I'm not going to step on anybody's game here. But for me, it's just not something that I myself find appealing. Yeah. And so I guess this episode is going to be somewhat of a perspective on watch related content and kind of how we have come to know it in this space today. So I know I myself 
have definitely pared back a lot of what I consume in recent years. In the Same. beginning, it was kind of just whatever I can get my hands on, I would watch. Now, there's a lot of wrinkles in that. And part of it is I'm just busier overall. Like, obviously, being a dad is a lot of work. Having a job, <laughs> yes. like, with a capital J. <laughs> um, yes. Part of it is just I think everybody gets a little bit jaded at times. I, I know I definitely have. I, I go kind of through ups and downs with it where, you know, we have these narratives and this, this dogma that kind of sits in our hobby of just, like, these unwritten rules and things that I, I don't really – subscribe to and i think again that's kind of why i wound up with the account that i wound up with but i think it just gets tiresome to see the same things over and over again spelled out in front of your face like it 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 just gets tiresome whether it's hype or whatever i mean there's a lot under the umbrella of watch culture and so i guess it's more just I've, i've also streamlined my intake down to what i get the most value out of and sort of just cut the fat out from what i don't yeah i I'm I'm the same way, and again, we've I've echoed this before on the on the podcast. Like you and I think a lot the same, yeah. Even though we're not in an area where we can hang out and do this stuff all the time together, but it's the same thing for me. Like I, when I first started, I was consuming literally every piece of editorial content, every video, everything that I could digest physically about watches because I wanted to know everything. Then as I started getting more seasoned in this. Some of the stuff just became, you know, background noise for me. And it's just like, it wasn't interesting. It wasn't appealing. It was not something that I could overly focus on or wanted to because it was just, it didn't make sense for me as a collector or somebody that was an enthusiast in this. And I just started paring back. And I I think, you know, people go through these cycles, especially like with your physical collection, right? Where you just like come to the point where like, I need to, I need to offload all of this. Yes. Because it's just not, it's no longer representative of me, Right representative of me um and in this case you know the same thing is true with what i was consuming so i think this is a great topic because you know i know as quote unquote content creators which is a very odd title to to refer to myself as sure um but uh, as a as a content creator um you know, I want to I want to put it out there, kind of the stuff that 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 we drive with and the stuff that we think is cool and the stuff that, you know, is exciting that maybe you guys that have no exposure to could get some exposure to. So I think that that would be pretty cool. So do you want to do you want to start it off? Well, by now, I think anybody who themselves is a content creator is probably sweating a little in the palms. But um, I think you guys can relax. This is not going to be a uh, uh, a slanderous episode. This is going to be more of just a breakdown of what we like, what we find value in. So you could take a little uh, solace in that. Yeah, we're not but, out here to roast anybody. <laughs> but I'll go back to, I guess, when I first got into watches, right? I I got very wrapped up in, it's almost like the mystique, like the fanfare involved. I got to say, like brands and I guess the blogs that promote them also, they they did a very, very good job of making it like this magical place. Because when you're on the outside looking at it, it's sort of like a weird world. It's like a lot of mechanical knowledge. And then there's mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. different brands from different countries that you can't pronounce. But once you get your foot in the door, it's like a whirlwind, right? It's like mm-hmm. there's this huge ecosystem of all these different brands and all these different personalities and who's attached to what. And then there's the whole tradition and honor and prestige that each one carries. And and it goes beyond the concept of just being jewelry or tools. 
And I think that was a big latching on point for myself and for many people is that you just, you get kind of swept up in it, right? It's, it's, yeah. it becomes you get carried this away. whole, it's, it's kind of that, that art angle. Oh, it's art, which is really kind of lame. But at the same time, you're like, you know, wow, you see your first guilloche dial and you're like, oh, that is kind of artsy. You know, that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. And so uh, it, it kind of reminded me of, you, you remember the first Jurassic Park? Yeah, of course. Yeah, where he, he brings him in and all of a sudden old man Hammond, he goes, you know, welcome to Jurassic Park. And all of a sudden yeah. all the dinosaurs are just everywhere. And I remember that vividly being a kid in whatever year that was like 94, 95. Yeah. And, you know, after he says that, everything just pops out. It's every every time you, you turn your head, it's just a different like new a different animal. Yeah. yeah and, you see the giant brontosaurus walking across the field and you're like, holy crap. Like and as you're seeing it for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's that, that was the feeling that moment. for me. I was a 20 moment of wonder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that moment of wonder. It's a, that moment of experiencing something that's new and different for the very first time. And it's, and it's the feeling that you're experiencing this for yourself, you know, cause that's the other thing too. I think that, that that's interesting about watches is when you first kind of stick that key in the door and you unlock it and you open the door, you make the choice to step through a lot of times when you do that, you're stepping through by yourself. Yeah. Scary. You know, I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, again, I've talked about this before, like I had literally nobody in my family, in my friends, anybody that I knew in my passing life, nothing that were into watches. I got into watches myself because I thought it was cool. And like yourself, bro, I mean, we, we were in a situation where, you know, liking watches for most people was weird. And everyone's like, why and how much do these things cost? Why are you spending this kind of money? Like, it didn't make sense. So. It's yeah. interesting. I just remember you see first watch worn on the moon, and you're like, "Oh, damn!" Right? The watch that summited Everest, depending yeah. on which watch James you actually Bond. think that is. <laughs> yeah, James, James Bond. Bond. And it's funny because obviously, from playing Goldeneye and growing up as a yeah. kid in the '90s, you knew what watch you wore. I mean, I didn't know what Omega was, but I I could pick that watch out. Well, yeah, I mean, every time you. Every time you hit the start button too in the game, you would, would pull the you know the menu would come up with his watch, right? Like it was so sick, you know. Oh man, it just but it's it's that whole thing that like all of these things were working together, and you finally kind of get introduced into it. So it, it's a it's a feeling you know that that I know all too well, and I think every collector that's probably listening to this has experienced that in one form or another um, for themselves as well. So I think you know I think this resonates. So. Right. What do you and, got? Well, from there, I think it goes down into the abyss, right? You go into the brand stories, historical significance. And that was, I guess, the type of content that really hooked me first was yeah, I felt like I gravitated to those, those backstories and I, I got to learn and appreciate the different brands historically. And, and I think it encourages me to do more deep dives into brands, okay. those type of stories, those cool stories, whether it be from hearing who in history owned a watch or what endeavors it went on right and that was kind of what led me to my love of seiko was I, I didn't know anything about the history of the brand i thought it was just a japanese watch brand who made this specific design language i went back and i looked and i looked at all the historical achievements they have made and i was like damn these guys are like a real player this wasn't just yeah these aren't just some people who made this homely little watch company and then it grew this is significant yeah, absolutely. Right. There's so, substance there. You know, like there's 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 tangibles and intangibles. 
right? And these intangibles are like all the background information, the stories, you know, the romantic element of the brands, the watches themselves. And that's the stuff that really starts to sink into you. And once its claws are in your back, man, it's it's really hard to take it out. Right. And then there's this has always been interesting to me because I was on Watch You Sequel one time and I saw this topic pop up and it immediately got closed. And oh. it was about it was about history of brands, but the person posed this question and he was saying, Yeah, believe it or not, this is actually a conversation I had with somebody else who is whether you call him a listener, friend of the show, um, Sean. I think you've you've met him before, but he yeah he he was talking to me about how much I like Seiko, and he he asked me if I had any feelings about their relationship with the Japanese military in the forties, you know, during the World War II era. And yeah. thinking about it, right, there's a probably a lot of brands that are still around today that were significant in a lot of European countries during that time. Yeah, absolutely, right. And so this thread got shut down immediately. They're like, we're not talking about this, whatever, whatever. And I thought that was kind of lame. Like I felt like if people were going to be mature, it's 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 an interesting conversation to have. Well, and and again, you know, like I know where this goes, and the fact that somebody did shut it down is kind of it is kind of lame because it's like, guys, we can all be we can all be honest, we can all be mature. It's like just because Seiko supplied watches to the Japanese fighters during World War II does not mean that Seiko hates the world <laughs> like you know it's i mean the same thing is true with you know iwc yeah. and panerai i mean <laughs> you know like these watches were supplied to the axis powers like does that mean that iwc is somehow you know trying to 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 rekindle hitler's third reich no that's ridiculous they're just a watch company they got wrapped up in something that they really probably didn't have an option to get out of okay so I mean, like, what it, it is, what it is. Like, yeah, this probably watches the Axis powers. Like, who cares? Like, and I know, I know, it, it opens up a lot of uncomfortable conversations, but I think they're sure. worth having. And absolutely, if I you're think, mature, you can have it. Yeah, and I, because I, I, I think we all find the military histories of these watches interesting, and that they were actual tools and they had actual applications. Yeah, and I understand that it can be tough to show praise for that while also not trying to sound like you're glorifying one of the worst alliances of all time but <laughs> you know i i think e even our own country i think it, it's had its downfalls as well as many others and even so you could still appreciate artistry and craftsmanship from those eras without maybe attaching a political asterisk to it yeah yeah sure but so these were the these were the type of content that i gravitated to and yeah. when I, I think about that now, generally who I see right in that context, I, I think a lot of like a Cole Pennington. Yeah. I feel like his work is very passionate. Like I feel like it comes from a, a genuine interest. He's like immersed himself in that. And that appeals to me. Um, he's yeah. always usually in his wheelhouse, usually talking about some kind of a vehicle or cultural exploration or but when he touches well, on they, those those poignant topics, right? He he he's he does it judiciously, which I think you have to do. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is with Cole, I mean, the guy's a huge nerd. And, and, and I mean that. In the best way. Yeah. I, I mean it completely as a term of endearment. And that's honestly why I love reading his articles so much, because they are extremely immersive. He's extremely well knowledge, you know, knowledgeable about watches, cars, diving, all kinds of things. The guy is, in many ways, a modern Renaissance man. Like, he's traveling. He is traveled. You know, this guy goes everywhere. I think him and his girlfriend, I think, is is who I see in the photos. And they're like jet setting around doing crazy stuff. Like he was, you know, in Asia for like fishing in months, Southeast like, yeah. Asia. The guy, yeah. yeah. And the guy's <laughs> crazy. But 
that's why his content is cool. He's kind of like an Anthony Bourdain for watches, you know, like that's kind of the vibe I get from him. It's like no borders. Like I'm just going to go do cool things. I'm going to talk about it, report about it and write some cool, cool articles. And you guys can read it or don't read it. And I enjoy reading it because it comes from a place of authenticity. It's exciting. You're living vicariously through his words. And to me, that's really cool. So Cole, if you ever do listen to this podcast, you know, I know you and bro have talked before. I know you and bro have, have, have had words before you and I have never, but, um, Keep doing what you're doing, brother, because that is something that I really vibe with. And I think it's amazing what you do. But so I've, I've, I have talked to him about where times where parts of war and stuff have come into play. And he's, he's mentioned about how you kind of have to tiptoe around it and appropriately so. Yeah. On the other hand, somebody who doesn't game. like to do that is our boy Jose Periscope. Mm. right who's an absolute savage right yeah that guy that guy does not pull any punches and he will totally roast panerai for its for its nazi (laughs) nazi german ties that is kind of funny his rolex deep sea uh yeah he he does his like busting situations but he but he's got a juicy scoop right he thinks it's 100 accurate he just goes straight for the jugular right and and i think you kind of need both you need both yeah it's, it's a great balance you know, Jose's a polarizing figure, but I also love him for that because he, he, like you said, he pulls no punches and what he writes, he, he is going to write authentically, but he only puts it out there if he can verify it, right? That is the one thing that I know about him. He's very good, but he only puts out content when it's 100% without refuting verifiable. And that's why there's been so many scandals like in the, you know, the auction houses and all that stuff too. So, you know, it's funny. I, I actually had Jose on my list as well, and uh, and he kind of beat me to it. But you know, Jose Jose is somebody that I have a lot of respect for because of the thoroughness of his research. If you've never gone to Periscope.com and read his articles about Panerai's origin stories, or you know, Rolex is being issued to the military, you know, the Omega Poprof and Comex, like all the stuff that he's covered, you need to do it. The guy is a ver is a certifiable encyclopedia, and his 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 stuff is, it's, I, I don't even know the 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 best way to describe it. It's so detail oriented, it's insane, and the guy's good at what he does. Controversial, but good at what he does. But I think I think it's the passion and the thoroughness for both guys that I that is what I gravitate to as far as a blog goes. Yeah, something that I want to read consistently. Yeah, because they make it fun. They make it enjoyable. And and there's that element of, of intrigue and, and capturing and, and stuff like that. That just, again, it, it's, it's enticing. Um, I would have to say, for, you know, by that same token, you know, somebody that I had on my own personal list for this as a, as a content creator is, uh, is Marshall um, from Wristwatch Revival. Yeah. I know I've touched on him a little bit already in the podcast a few episodes back. Um, but guys, if you have not gone to YouTube and, and follow this dude, you need to, um, his videos are awesome. And he just sounds like I've never met him. I've never conversed with him at all. I doubt he even listens to this podcast and even knows that I'm talking about him, but I will say this, that guy has so much passion for watchmaking, so much passion for urology and preservation of historical watches that it just comes through in the best way in his videos all he does is sits down on the bench films in 4k video and does a watch service in front of you for like an hour 
And it is the coolest thing because not only is it him, you know, kind of restoring a piece, but he's talking about it systematically. He's talking about how things function, the mechanics, why you do certain things. It's all the stuff that you wanted to know about watchmaking, but we're too afraid to ask a watchmaker. And he's doing it in front of you. And the guy has incredible video content. He's got a Patreon page. So if you wanted to support him, you could certainly do that as well. But um, the guy is just genuinely passionate about watches. And it makes me as somebody who, you know, has a has a passing fancy into like how movements work and the understanding of the complexities of, of, of and the inner workings of movements, which I find incredibly interesting. I think most of you guys that listen to a watch podcast probably would as well. Um, it's really cool to see it firsthand. So I think Marshall's got a 197,000 followers or subscribers right now on YouTube, which yeah. is a lot. Um, his videos get hundreds of thousands of views. But if you don't follow him already, go follow him, dude. It's his stuff is awesome. If you don't have a full hour to dedicate to watching it when you're you know typing out emails at work, just put it on the TV in the background, listen to it like a podcast. Hey, like, ASMR. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's awesome. I mean, it, it, and there is an ASMR element to it. What do you hear him like click, you know, mainsprings in place and you know, put you know, remove cannon pinions, like all the stuff that he talks about. Like it's really cool to hear that. And 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 it, there is an ASMR element because he's like. It's like, oh, man, that's the sweet spot, you know, um, but go give that guy a follow because he he certainly does need to be up to 200, uh, 200,000 subs, but he deserves every minute of it. He's my favorite watch repair person channel on YouTube right now. And and not that there's not other good ones out there. I just don't think there's any out there that are of his quality. Yeah, he's, he's dope. And uh, I guess just other before we move on from blogs. I'd like to give credit to the folks over at both Time and Tide and Monochrome because whenever something new drops, I feel like they always have it first. And I don't know if it's just because they're a little bit ahead in the time zone game or not. Um, It could uh, be. Could be. But they always seem to have – when I see you or I hear about the drop and I'm like, I have to find the specs or the price or whatever, they're always the ones that come up first. Yeah. So I got to give them credit. Oh, uh, and then just, I guess, for general um, discussion and, like, philosophy, uh, I guess you want to say, I, I stick with Fratello. I think they have that lockdown. Yeah. They have just, like, the best takes on everything. Yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think RJ and his team really try to be objectively unbiased as much as they can. Yeah. You know, and I think of all the major watch blogs, they're, the other, they're, they're one of the few that really hasn't tried to super monetize their page. Like there's some elements of their stuff, like they have a shop and they and they sell stuff. But I just I don't feel like it's thrown in my face as much on with them as it is maybe on other sites. And again, nothing that that's bad. It's just I want to read the watch content. You know, I will come back and buy a strap if I really, really want to. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need to be reminded six times. Right. Um, but RJ and I will say this. I, I have I have messaged him back when I had a social media account. I've messaged him. I've DM'd him. We've talked. Um, the guy is approachable and he's an amazingly passionate person, not only about Omega, which is kind of his bread and butter, specifically Speedmaster. No surprise. Right. Um, but just watches in general. The guy is super knowledgeable. Uh, he's super down to earth. And I know that there's times where I've messaged him where it's probably like 6 a.m. his time <laughs> and he'll and he'll respond. Like within minutes, 
I'm like, dude, are you awake right now? <laughs> like you could, you could, you can respond to a guy you've never actually met in person a couple hours from now. Like you don't need to respond like right away, but he's always quick to respond. And the guy's just the nicest, most humble person I've met in a digital format. So uh, yeah, shout out to Fatel team. Like you guys keep, keep kicking butt because I love your content. Yeah. Shout out to my buddy, Mike Stockton, who's a fellow Seiko head. He and I Mike back Stockton. And forth. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. There's just not a lot of pretension. It's relatable. It's often in tune with a lot of what's going on. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw it, but, and not even that it's necessarily in my wheelhouse, but they, somebody over there put out an, uh, an article about how Oris could be the next like Rolex type figure. Which again is 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 a gusty thing to throw out there, but at least it's yeah. it's some it's food for thought, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was that an article published on Fratello? Yeah, I swear it was. I can't I'm remember who it was. It, it wasn't it wasn't Stockton or RJ. I I can't remember who it was, but it's definitely on there. Interesting. I'm gonna have yeah. to go check that out because I, I missed that. Yeah, it's somebody. That's a, that's a bold claim, but I mean, if you if you have evidence to back it up, or you have. At least a it's perspective just like that his two sense. cents, I feel like, just like comparing yeah. how the lineages work and how they tackle different aspects of uh, different styles of watch complications and everything. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah. And someone over, someone over at Fratello might also pitch me an occasional meme once in a while, like a ghost rider, but that's for another day. <laughs> Dang, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Bro, but, uh, bro does not write all of his own music. <laughs> it's like a 99% thing. There you go. But there every once go. in a while, somebody throws me a good one, and I gotta, I gotta share it. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of, I guess I, w- I guess I'll touch on this one before before we leave that. Uh, in the, in the realm of memes, right? They've definitely gone mainstream. I guess you'd say, right? They've they've gotten a lot of recognition certainly since I've picked them up. I do think they've jumped the shark a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think like every. Well, the term jump the shark comes from, you know, happy days where the Fonz jumps over the shark. And basically it was it was an episode where people realized that the show had kind of taken its turn. Right. Like mm. every week there's a new meme account. Right. And a lot of yeah. it's just recycled stuff. And it may, might not be on purpose, but it's, it's the same stuff you've already seen. Or they're just really, really trying to be edgy and like outlandish. Yeah. Right. And I get it. You have to make a splash. I, I, I went through that. You have to get views. Yeah. You have to get shares. But at the same time, like you're going to see, it doesn't sit well with you to be, to be like spiteful or hateful or derogatory. Yeah. Right. I know it didn't sit well with me. And then also there's, you know, there was the writing on the wall that it, the community could be a little bit sensitive at times. It's probably not your best course of action to be doing that type of stuff. Just, just a little sage advice. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know anything about that because I don't run a run a meme account. I'm barely on social media as it is, and usually, guys, it's only through our social media. It's like if you see my little dollar bill sign on the on the on the comments, you know it's Schmitty. Um, but yeah, it's very infrequent that I'm there. But it's just like you're right. The few times that I am on there, there's a lot of meme accounts popping up. And again, no no shame in the game. Obviously, that you know, there's people who want to create content and put it out there, which is a good thing. But sometimes it can get a little stagnant when everyone's kind of saying the same thing. And that's kind of that's kind of the trickiness about the industry as it is, because like we 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 get these like bursts, yeah. you know, and I was it was kind of funny. I was like I was talking to my friend Lorenzo over at uh, the Blunt Instruments podcast and, and his account Omega Bond Watches. If you don't follow him, 
or listen to blunt instruments go give them a follow as well because they're good people um but they kind of they just had an episode where they kind of talked a little bit about this that like so many content creators are like created when like a bond film is coming out and all of a sudden like once the film is gone like they all just like disappear (laughs) It was like, do these guys just like fall off the face of the earth? Because like, like, you just run out of content, right? And so very few content creators can keep creating content in lieu of the movie that's out, right? Like there's no more clothes. There's no more, you know, leaked photos. There's nothing else to kind of hype it up because the movie's already out. So like, what do we do now? And so they're kind of talking about this is like, like, do you guys have no more original ideas? Like there's, there's nothing else like, when somebody else posted, you know, an end and peel sweater, like you get, you, you had to like repost it six times, to like get your thing up. But like, what do you do after there's nobody else posting, right? Like, how do you continue the story? Anyway, it's kind of funny that there's parallels here, but the point is, it's like with the watch industry, we get those same type of bursts, right? Like all the watches come out at the same time. Everyone's covering the same stuff. And it's always at like the same time every year, kind of. So it gets stagnant. I get it. But just try to be original as much as you can. That's it. You know, yeah. there are other funny things. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I, I really, I don't follow a lot of horology meme pages. I, I just don't, for those reasons I talked about earlier. Um, if I do, it's usually because I enjoy like their unconventional humor. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, the cookie cutter jokes, right? You need, you need some layers. You need a little complexity, a little range. Yeah. You're right? like a, you're like an ogre. Which yeah. is also like an onion. Yeah, correct. Onions have layers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like, uh, it, like among uh, among the ones I do follow, I, I feel like probably Watching does a pretty good job of that. He does some like off the wall stuff without being too on the nose. Yeah. Um, it is too bad he can't find a co-host though. I, he had a post where he, he said he should have started a podcast like like the rest of us, but you know it's a shame. I guess uh, you know, can't all just talk about all the same stuff all the time. It's true. It's true. But sorry, sorry, there's not another Schmidt out there watching humor. That's sorry, it. everybody. But you know, memes, they, they've come a long way. You know, I've, I've managed to worm my way into a blog to watch somehow. I've been in Everest Journal a couple of times. Got on Jenny L. That was cool. One day I was like, where the hell all these followers come from? Oh, all right. <laughs> you got on Jenny L? Yeah, I was in one of her, her videos where she was talking about she was talking about being jaded in watches and one of her things was like when you like when you start to get tired of things and she's like oh she's like and then one day you wake up and you she's like you stop laughing at the stuff that bro dinky puts out and i was like all right respect how did i miss that it was it was a few months ago wow yeah i that missed was a that fun little tribute but that was cool um that's that is cool that that's is cool yeah that's probably a uh, that's probably a pretty good segue into video content though i will say mm. Um, See, I jumped the gun with wristwatch arrival. Man. It's okay. I had him on my list, so that's fine. Oh, okay, um, all right. I had like, to beat you. I can't lie. I'm not. I'm not a huge YouTube watch personality person. Like, I don't go on yeah. there for for individual people per se. Um, I, I'm much more into the watchmaking stuff or the, I guess, informative videos or like, yeah, yeah. some cool niche content. Like, I had wristwatch revival. There's also watch repair channel. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're pretty good. Yeah, I think I have a, little, uh, a few like, of their videos. Yeah, yeah a little yeah. quiet music going. Guys doing yeah, 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 yeah. Always cool. Always cool. You know, then you have like your watch finder. Yep, yep. He's on my list for yeah. sure. And 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 I would say if I if I really had my druthers, it'd be watch finder pre twenty eighteen. 
um, <laughs> before they got before they they merged with Richemont because um, it was a little bit more honest, right? Like they were an independent company in the UK, you know, servicing and reselling watches. Um, and then they got bought out by Richemont and now Big Brother kind of controls them. So there's that there's that aspect that they're that they're pushing things to to be more salesy. Uh, but certainly before 2018, when they really kind of got started, um, it was just great, informative content. Like, I will never forget one of the first Watchfinder episodes I saw where he literally crushed a sapphire crystal for an Omega Speedmaster and compared it to a Hesalite crystal and like how it was like with impact damage and like how is it easy to scratch, like all the stuff, like stuff that, you know, when I used to sell watches was always very hard to explain to a client. Like, yeah, that's hard to this, quantify. And this is like, here, just watch this video. This video will tell you everything you need to know. And this dude's literally smacking a sapphire crystal with a hammer on the TV. And I'm just like, this is, this is what I came to YouTube for, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is bringing the fire. But still, even still to this day, the guy makes great videos. And one of the things I really appreciate about his account is he always talks about esoteric watches watches that would normally not get another passing glance by anybody else but he's going to talk about it so i love it and he's very knowledgeable yeah and then you have like your, your tim masso watches tonight he does i gotta mention on that one time as well not intentionally this was actually a funny story somebody in the comment section popped up and said the only people whose opinions i value are tim masso and Brodinky," and he read it and he didn't know who i was and he thought it was a typo but I thought that was pretty funny. That is. <laughs> you should see if you can find that episode. Just screen grab that. Just have it on loop on your, on your page. Well, my friend's a huge Tomasa fan. And he said that to me. And he's like, dude. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Maybe maybe for Halloween, we should all wear lime green Oakleys on our head. Yeah, why not? Yeah, you know what? Shout out to you, Shout out to you Tim. Tim, again, is another guy that's just authentically extremely knowledgeable. He talks a mile a minute. But... The guy knows his stuff and he really could speak well to watches. So somebody is certainly worth following. Um, for me, when it comes to, to editorial content, again, we, we mentioned wristwatch, wristwatch revival. Um, certainly a good guy over there, Marshall. But another another one that I really enjoy watching other than Watch Finder uh, is uh, Alexander Lintz from Watch Advisor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you follow him or have watched his videos. Uh, he's a kind of newer page i think he came out like maybe two or three years ago really started gaining traction i think in 2020 um but one thing i like about him is because he's you know european and he lives over there on that side of the world he's like friends with all these watch people and so he just like goes to the factories of all these watch companies and just yeah, like pretty sick he just he's doing hands-on product presentations with like the director of product development for these brands like that to me is amazing because you're getting firsthand experience about specs and about technology, things like that, that a lot of times get lost in translation, literally lost in translation uh, when it comes for like a press release. Right. Like if you ever worked in the watch industry and you see like when Houdinki gets a gets a, a, an article written or a blog to watch, whatever, they get a press release. And sometimes brands will give them a more in-depth press release over another company so that you know, when they release everything, everyone's saying something, but Houdinki gets a little bit more to say or Block to Watch gets a little bit more to say or Time and Tide gets a little bit more to say just based on relationships, right? Um, excuse me, but that said, like, you know, 
he's there covering all this information in real time. And a lot of times when this information is written and it's posted on a blog format, somebody has to sit down, manually type all these things out, and some things can get lost or they decide it's not really worth covering in yeah. the article. And so they leave it out. So for me, being able to watch a video and have you know, somebody like Gregory Kissling, who's you know one of the heads of product development at Omega, literally tell me how they made a bronze gold alloy and like what it does. That is very insightful and extremely informative for me. You know what I mean, it, it, it's like a science lesson it from is. the guy that developed the watch. I mean, like who wouldn't be excited about that? You know, and then Alex will do his own little kind of spin where he covers everything just to make sure all the, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and everything like that. But for the most part, he lets these brand representatives tell the story, which I think is very cool. And there's just not a lot of pages out there that can do that. And you have to understand why just there's geographic reasons, there's cultural reasons, there's proximity reasons, things like that. But he's able to bring that to us. And I think he does it in a format that's extremely not pretentious. Um, he seems like just a genuinely passionate guy about watches. And I think that's why his page is continuing to grow. Um, I love watching this content. I think it's really great. So Alexander or Alexander Lintz, uh, if you ever were to listen to this podcast, my friend, um, keep kicking butt because you're doing a great job. Yeah, I think probably the last person I would mention that is, uh, I'm sure you've seen him, uh, Mark, he does hidden gems. I don't know if I, if I've actually covered Crown of Caliber. Oh yes, Big yes, dude. yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I know he's he's listened to the show at least a few times. So if he's if you're listening, hey Mark, keep up the good hey, work. Hey buddy. Yes, okay, I know but, exactly. Yeah, it was actually my, my friends were actually talking about this yesterday. They're like, oh, I really like that guy's content. He always has some like off the grid type stuff to bring up, which I'm a big fan I mean, it's, of because I, I don't really love all the mainstream watches being thrown in my face yeah. all the time. So to have some cool stuff that maybe you weren't thinking of or maybe you didn't consider, I, I'm all for that. So that's that's kind of up my alley. Yeah, um, I saw I saw a video that he did where he covered the Omega DeVille Hour Vision, which is like if you know anything about Omega, like from a mainstream perspective, like that's not a watch you would probably ever hear about ever because it was totally a commercial failure for the brand. <laughs> um, but it's a really cool watch. Have you ever seen one, bro, in person? I have the Hour not. Vision. I have not. So this is a really unique watch, and and maybe we'll turn the tide of popularity for Hour Visions. Um, this was the first watch to debut Omega's in-house movement when they started reproducing them in 2007. And they debuted this watch uh, with the caliber 8500, which is like the first coaxial movement, but in-house, had all these crazy technologies, silicon balance spring, all these things. But the Hour Vision was the first watch to really launch this collection. And back in 2007, this was a $7,000 Omega. Like this was yeah. a very expensive Omega. Obviously, the clientele market was not ready for that price, but it, <laughs> it, it needed to be that expensive because of all of the R&D that went into it. But what made this watch cool is it came in stainless steel or precious metal, and it has a fully sapphire inner case. Okay, so the reason why they called it the Our Vision, it was kind of a play on words, right? Like, this is our vision as a brand for the future of Omega. But they spelt our vision with, with an, an H. with an H, right? Like so, it's like hours, like in time, right? Um, but they also alluded to the fact that you could literally visualize the movement that this watch is now showcasing through the actual case. So literally, you have a regular dial. You flip the watch over. You have an exhibition case back. 
but the side profile of the watch on either direction and between the lug spacing is a sapphire crystal. Wow. So they made a sapphire case and then covered that in steel or in gold, but allowed the watch to be completely translucent on the sides. So you can literally see the rotor swinging around from the side profile of the watch as you wear it. It is the most gangster flex ever in the most subtle way. And Mark covered this on an episode of Hidden Gems. And I was just like, thank you. Because this will, uh, again, this is a watch that for most people, they would never, ever, ever look at purchasing. But, but it has such a cool story. It's very representative of the future of what Omega was to become. And we're certainly looking forward to the success that we know the brand is, is garnering today. So, Mark, keep doing you, boo. And then before we leave video, I would just like to say two things I cannot stand. Celebrity watch spotting. Oh, I've grown yes. so averse to that. I'm just so tired of seeing what celebrities wear, nor it's do like, I guys, care. It's like, we know Marky Mark's got a Tiffany Blue 5711. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to get one. I can't afford it. I'm not special. LeBron, same thing. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care if Ellen has a rainbow Daytona. Don't show me. Like, nobody cares. And then the, only thing, the only thing I dislike more than that is unboxings. Can't really? Stand Dude, I stop wasting my time. I don't need to see you take a watch out of a box. Oh, look, it comes with a spring bar tool. Oh, this is a nice little NATO. But, but, but if I really cared, I would, I would go buy one. I don't care what comes in the box. Oh, bro, you're so jaded. You're so jaded. This is like those videos of little kids playing with toys. I don't want to watch this. Hey. You you watch your mouth. That kid's making gajillion that kid's making dollars. Bread. Uh, what's his name? Kevin or Kyle? I don't or... know. My my son tries to watch it. And I I just I I put the kibosh on it. Yeah, I I will not let my daughter watch that because I don't I mean, need that, that kid's level just selling of toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kid's just selling toys for everybody. Um, I think it's I think it's Kevin. Or... I don't Kevin know what his name is. But so, somebody who listens it. to this podcast that that has kids will know exactly what we're talking about, but. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the unboxings. I, I, I think you know, ten years ago they were really cool, you know, because there was like there was a mystique of like you know a lot of brands were up and coming, a lot of brands didn't really have the exposure that they do have now, and so you know packaging was one of the I feel like packaging was one of the first things that started coming out with watches that really kind of set brands apart from one another, you know, it's like okay, look here's the watch. But look at the cool box and look at cool all, all the accessories. And everyone was really focusing on the packaging. Oh, it comes in like a little scuba dive tank. And, you know, like it was kind of that idea that it was just like, let's throw a kind of, like more cool stuff. And you know, I remember some of the early worn and wound videos, like where they had watches that looked like they came in like shipping containers or like, you know, cargo um, like cargo boxes, you know, and they would yeah, like the slide open. Citizen ProMaster comes in like that. Uh, yeah, it's a diving it? tank. Tank. Yeah. Yeah, it's a diving tank, scuba tank. So things like that, you know, um, but we don't need to see it anymore, guys. Like we, we know, we know a lot. I've been told by people that they literally just do it for clicks. It's a, it, it gets a lot of traffic is what I was told. Really? Yeah. Is for it, me, it's, it's a, like it's the algorithm the, boost. That is, yeah, that is the exact opposite reason. I mean, that is the busy work content I was talking about. No, thanks. Yeah. It's like, just show us the watch on the table. Take, take your 25-minute video and cut it to five. Well, then you're not going to get the ad revenue. <laughs> the algorithms, bro. I just, yeah. I, YouTube has ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Got to have right. the ad revenue. So going, going from, I guess, video, video to audio. Strangely, podcasts, I do not have the same feelings about as I have towards video. Right, okay. I'm, there, I'm there for the watches, but I also enjoy a good conversation. Yeah. I like a little bit of a mix. I like some good banter. I like a fun tangent, a crazy story. I'm, I, I like it. I think that yeah, yeah. it makes conversation interesting. I don't need just facts and specs and call it a day. Um, obviously, I we've mentioned a lot of our good friends on the pod before. But in addition, uh, I guess for as far as informative pods go, I think 40 and 20 does a great job with this. And Everett, if you're listening, yeah, yeah. hello. Uh, they do like very deep dives into things like they've done. And it's commonplace things like Vostok. It, it doesn't have to be something outrageous, you know, which is, yeah, is yeah. which is a lot of fun. And uh, and I guess other ones for just as far as like banter and shooting the breeze. I'm, I've always liked two broke watch snobs. Um, they, they, they have a good they have a good they have a good thing going. They also do something similar, but they do watch brands they know nothing about, which is cool because you wind up learning about brands that you never cared about before like you hear a lot about yeah, stuff yeah. like Mito and just less mentioned yeah. stuff which which i do like that's that's always fun to hear about good old good old Mito. i'm a fan yeah that's, that then, is a watch brand that like nobody in the united states really cares about. Yeah. well i mean they even did like Ublo, i think which oh yeah it's yeah. always at the butt of everybody's jokes but Ublo is such a weird story man like that how that brand is like how beavers say that brand is just insane but and then I it digress. winds up it winds up in a Jay-Z song. I don't know if you ever yeah. heard that. Yeah. Who blow call a Tebow. Yes. Yeah. That was I think, uh, and that was that, yeah, yeah. He, he said strap that thing with the gator band or something like that. Yep. I remember that lyric and I remember because I was like Can't getting the rest, watches at that but... time. Oh man. Yeah. That was but I was cool. like, oh gator band. Florida yes. Gator Band. I get yes. it. Oh. Yeah. Hey, on the little <laughs> not quite on the nose, but still on the nose. It was on the nose for all the watch geeks. Like we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a watch geek. I just knew you put an alligator uh, band. Actually, I knew that, you put an alligator band on it because I went to Mont Block with my friend and the guy snobbed us. That's why I knew there was uh, an alligator band. Oh no. <laughs> you guys were poor, that's why. He could smell he could smell the poor on you. It was. It was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as uh, as far as other podcasts go, I mean, obviously we have our our ladies at ten and two. Um, yeah. We miss you guys, so you know, there's that. Um, Lorenzo's podcast from time to time, Blunt Instruments, they do cover watches on there, and and Lorenzo is kind of the the resident watch expert. Uh, He's like on the that bridge podcast. between between 007 stuff and watch stuff. Yeah, it's so <laughs> they do they do several episodes. They have done several episodes where they talk exclusively about watches um and um you know that he's he's very well informative so although it's not a dedicated watch podcast they have a great thing going over there at blunt instruments so give them a follow as well yeah and i guess aside from that i guess if you want to go to photo i mean photo when i first got into this hobby i was really grabbed by the photography yeah yeah it's it's still good it's not that it's gone down in quality i just feel like i guess because so many people have caught on or there's so many additional accounts or there's so many amateurs who have sort of put together the the winning formula that it's gotten very common because i remember i used to be like blown away and now like i feel like a lot of people use the same tricks where they have the floating watch in your hand you got the the cork underneath the watch makes it stand up 
Yeah, yeah. It's not that it's not cool. I feel like it, I've just become sort of is that how they do desensitized it? To it. I've seen not for the floating watch, but for when you have like the watch that looks like it's I don't know elevated, three, right? Yeah, elevated, but it's it's just like standing on a table. I've heard you put a champagne cork behind the watch to make that the bracelet makes, circular. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but huh. I I know I I I guess I still I still prefer maybe wrist shots to to fancy photos with coffee beans and stuff. I guess just because it's people in the moment. Like, I don't like yeah, the two-stage wrist shot, but, like, the people in the moment, like, oh, this is a really cool thing I'm doing, you know, and they, they get a good capture. Like, I, I find that interesting. A little bit of a human element. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I will say this, though. Out of out of everybody that, that does photography for me, um, I know he's becoming way more mainstream now, but my good friend Dagbert, yeah. Zach Pena, that guy, when you go into his, in his page and he's a professional photographer, like that's you what he tell. does. <laughs> it's his personal bit and he is a business now. Like he has his own, his own uh, media company and he does stuff like that. And he's a freelance photographer based for his media company. He's working with a lot of brands. But his his video, his his photography and stuff is has its own distinctive style. Like, I know he's done stuff for toppers. I know he's done stuff for, like, you know, people on, in California on the West Coast and things like that. He's done stuff for a physical brands for their for their promotional stuff. But he has a very distinctive style that I notice it right away. When I see a photo, I know it's him. I'm like, hey, I know you took this photo. He's like, yeah, it's me. But it's just like his his stuff is good, man. And, and he's a solid dude. Um, him and I have interacted on multiple occasions. We've met in person before back in the day. And... If you don't follow his page, go give it a follow because his his stuff is awesome. And he's got a very distinctive eye for things that are they're trying to be different. Like he takes a lot of good photos, but these photos are different than what I would normally see. And I love the way he's able to capture to capture watches in, in full essence because he makes a lot of stuff beautiful. It was funny. I was uh, I was at a watch meetup one time. And this guy walked in and he he was looking at uh, we were talking about Omega, which is no surprise. And he walks in and he's like, hey, man, so like, have you seen that new Omega? And this is when the the ceramic titanium diver 300 meter came out. Yep. And I was like, yes, man, this watch is amazing. Like, I love this watch. And it's so sick. He's like, if I, I was like, if I had a grand, I'd buy one right now. He's like, yeah, me too. And he's like, this is the photo I saw. And he like held up this photo. And it was one of Zach's photos that he took for like a brand that was doing like a NATO strap or something like that. And Crazy. He, he put it on this watch and he says, I want this watch and I want this strap because I don't care what it costs for me to have it. Like, this is what I want. I really texted him. He's like, tell that guy. I said, what's up? <laughs> like, your, your, your watch photo for a completely unrelated account is, uh, is over here selling Omega. It's doing work. And he, yeah. I mean, but it's, his stuff is good. So if you don't give him a follow, give him a follow. Cause his, his content is awesome. So yeah. it's a, shout it, out to you, Zach. It's almost like when you have your own like signature type of thing. Yeah. Like he's got his own. It, it's a style, man. It's just like the, the way he does the, the saturation, the lighting, the colors. It's very dynamic. It's very good. And his photos are just like, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to explain. When you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They're just crisp and clean and He's not using a lot of like 
the the Instagram edits. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's taking professional, high quality photos for marketing purposes, um, and it's and it's just it's just a next level tier. So, but the guy's awesome, and he's a good dude. So he's good watch fam. He's good people. So definitely give him a follow and 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 hit him up. He's a good dude. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't love the overly staged photos, but I do like the accounts that sort of tie in other stuff too. Like the, I guess what the word is, is bon vivant, which I learned from my friend Greg over at Spirit of Time podcast. It's basically like somebody who appreciates finer things. And I feel like a lot of those things tie in with watches. So like how people do watches and cars, people do watches and coffee, people do EDC, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't really matter. Huh. What you're into, I've never, I've never heard of that term. Yeah, before. the word bon vivant is the term. So but, it's basically uh, complimentary items that you could use as like backdrops or. Well, I, I or think staging? it's just it's it's it doesn't necessarily have to be in photography. I think it's just something that goes oh, along with. I gotcha. I gotcha. Like Greg actually runs an account called Time and Tequila, so his would be spirits in that case. But ah, uh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, I yeah. didn't know that was him. Yeah, Time of Tequila is Greg from Spirit of Time. So that's cool. Um, um, he's got his own little sense. thing going on. Passionate about agave. But, yes. um, but I like the twist. I like how it kind of works in a little personal touch and also just other, I guess, aspects that people can rally around. You know, you meet other people. Oh, you're a big bourbon person. Oh, me too. Let's, you know, let's talk. It kind of opens the floor up a little bit to, to connect people a little more, which I also like. Yeah. You know, some people are gun people, some people are knife people. There, there's a whole world out there. Right? You got artists and every everybody's getting involved now. But it's I do like that. Those those sort of tie-in pages that that'll do a little a duo of effects once in a while. It's not just straight watch every time you scroll down the the feed. I miss I miss the twenty the twenty ten days with just all wrist routes, dude. Just and horrible, t- right? Horrible. And, and everyone's just taking blurry out of focus. iPhone cameras were terrible, and you, you couldn't focus. And <laughs> Overly saturated wrist is gonna... the win, dude. <laughs> Too many filters. Everything's yeah, whenever, all the way up. When everyone was still using filters. Like, <laughs> I just remember the good old days, you know? Like, oh, man. My favorite was when people I, used to turn up simpler the, back then. Uh, when people used to turn up the, what is it? It's not the sharpness. It's whatever one. It's like the maximum texture. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. you can always tell because their arm hairs would be like, like so coarse black. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. It was like it was like Juno filter and like extra sharpen. <laughs> yeah, everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone was rocking that dude back in the day. T- Twenty ten, simpler times. Yeah, yeah. I used to I used to do the same thing with my food pictures. It was hysterical. Looking back, I see some of them like these were I mean, awful. I, I mean, when I when I would go back and look at like some of my old Instagram photos from back in the day, you know, when I had my personal account, like just like how did I how did I post like, who this? am I fooling? <laughs> it's like how did I post this? Like, is this is this real life? Like, this is horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. Oh man, simpler times, my friend. Simpler yeah, yeah, times. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there's probably a ton of other content out there too. I mean, that's probably all i can think of i don't know if you got anything else on your end or your your list oh man that's that's it i mean again a lot of stuff that you know you and i share there are similarities with regards to like the stuff that we look at and stuff we follow but uh hopefully if you guys you know don't follow these people or 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 don't already expose yourself to them 
go give them a like, go give them a follow, go give them a sub if you feel inclined to. Um, these are good people and and they're good content creators and certainly something somebody that should be touted uh, and should be you know given a little bit more voice and platform. You know, yeah, go show them some love. Go show them some love, man. That's all we ask. And and if uh, you feel so inclined, give us some love too. You know. Yeah, we're not always negative on Rishi's radio. Okay. We're not. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> oh man, these old photos are so bad. Never, never go back in your timeline, guys. <laughs> oh, what was I thinking? On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we bid you adieu. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Risk Cheese Radio Podcast. Bro, we'll see you next time. It's been a pleasure. Peace. Peace.